Amen. So I said to one of the church family members that I'm going to announce to the church today, this morning, that I eventually lit up the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. So I brought it out on the 25th of November, and then two, it took two weeks to be able to light the Christmas. So now my wife can go ahead and put all the balls in it. Uh, the thing is, I had most of the, some, I think last year, did we do it together last year? I did it by myself. Uh, the, the decorations. No, I did it. Oh, you did it. Oh, okay. My wife she did it last year, so I won't take credit for that. I put light on always. So this is uh, this is how we share the responsibility and the labor in the in the family. So, uh, well done to you guys who have put up a Christmas tree. I can, I have seen some Christmas trees around. Uh, it's beautiful, and um, I think you guys should also put some gift under the tree, right? It will be it will be good as well. Fantastic, right? So, uh, thank you to the, to people who send us a feedback from last, uh, from the message last week. You know, that was encouraging. Um, Christmas used to be, uh, just an ordinary, not, not just an ordinary event, used to be a special event or yeah, a special event in my, okay, let me put it this way. When I was growing up, you know, Christmas was that special day of the year, right? And I look forward to it. Uh, but uh, other than that day, or if there were some event around the day or in that day, other than that, I don't think anything outside of Christmas. What I know is that on Christmas Day, I don't like to go to church because I want to spend time with friends and family and I want to maximize the day. Right. So uh, it was just celebration, you know, have the, your favorite meals cooked by your mom and your aunties, you know, uh, you watch movies and that's it. Uh, but growing up uh, and coming to really know Christ, you know, God began to open my eyes to see the significance of Christmas. Last week, I tried to open our eyes to see that Christmas was is not the celebration of the day, and it's not about the guy in the red suit, you know, bring, um, Mr. Nicholas, bringing you gift, you know, something you you deserve for the year or something you deserve based on your good works for the year, and uh, many other myths that surrounds Christmas. But Christmas is a celebration, is a is a day. Christmas Day is a day set aside uh, by Christians to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And that does not mean that Jesus was born on December 25th. It was a day that, you know, officials in Rome at that point in time where church was becoming an official religion and was recognized in Rome, decided to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I think that's what, I mean, in my own opinion, it's, it's one of the best things that some people have ever done um, in the history of mankind to set aside a day to make the world uh, think, recognize, or hear that someone, Jesus Christ, was born. And it shouldn't mean a lot to us as believers, not from just a celebration standpoint. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying to me now that the kind of evil things that people, ungodly things, evil and ungodly things that many Christians do for Christmas is a clear evidence that they do not know what Christmas is about. You know, some kind of weird, ungodly, and evil gifts. And when I say weird, ungodly, evil gift, uh, if you look at the things the Bible say about the identity of Christ, uh, identity of believers, and how how we ought to conduct ourselves, let's be starting to go into specifics. Now, when my when my wife was doing the introduction, she said, "You know what? Do we talking about Christmas? But some things that God's gonna call out to be a blessing to you guys." So, if a lady thinks that. Christmas is the time of the year for her to go and spend, you know, the weekend or the Christmas holiday with her boyfriend and do all kind of stuff. Um, 
and some kind of weird thinking as a great Christmas gift. You know, some kind of funny things they do. And I think, you know, this part of Christmas, this is giving the guys pressure gift and things like that. Right now, and that's the specific example the Holy Ghost gave to me. So that thinking is flawed. That thinking is not right. It shows that we do not honor Christ when we do not know what Christmas is about. Or we don't even, we don't even respect Christ. So when on Christmas Day, or Christmas holiday, we choose to do evil and walk in ungodliness. We are not honoring Christ. We don't respect him. Now, the world, the unsaved world, to some extent, hear about the, hear about the birth, of Je- birth of Jesus. And they don't understand the meaning or the significance. And instead of us believers taking every opportunity available to tell the people about who Jesus is, we are acting we sometimes or most of the time maybe sometimes we act like people of the world making you know further making christmas to be meaningless to the unsaved world and god is calling us to god is calling us out this morning and calling us to you know to adjust to work on ourselves amen it's not to criticize or condemn anyone but christmas should be a, a, a holy celebration I mean, it should be that time of the year and Easter as well. It should be that time of, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, those are all the times we should walk holy, we should live holy. Uh, but it's that time of the year that, of all times of the year, that you recognize the significance of the birth of Jesus and honor him. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is cautioning someone there. If you have been doing that for so long, this is time to do something differently honor jesus christ who was born into the world and i'm going to cover a few things about the significance of the birth of jesus christ amen Amen. right so to continue from where we stopped last week uh one thing i said is christmas is the annual uh christian festival christmas is an annual christian festival to celebrate the birth of our lord jesus christ and i would like us to read the christmas story very quickly uh chris um any teaching on Christmas is not complete in a sense until we, uh, you know, we read the Christmas story according to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2. Let's start from verse 21. Are you ready, guys? So I'm going to read from, I'm going to read, this is the NIV, right? Let me see if I can get on another version that make it nicer. Okay, I'll just go with the NIV then. NIV. Right, so let's start from verse 1. Now the Bible says, I said, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because it belonged to the how it belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Amen. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Someone should shout there. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, what had been told them about this child. Did you see that? You can highlight that in your in your Bible. So verse seventeen says, "When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured." all things treasured up all things all these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child it was named jesus the name the angel had given had given him before he was conceived. Amen. Amen. So that's a lovely story. And there's so much in that story to unpack. I know in celebrating Christmas, um, even our kids see Jesus as a baby, but it's, it's important that we work on that image on our mind that Jesus uh, was born a baby. He is no longer a baby. He does not remain a baby. Right? He was born a baby, but he no longer remains a baby. And it's important we, we, we have this established in our mind so that we can help our minds to see him differently. Amen. So that we can help our minds to see him differently. Now, don't forget what the, uh, the, the angel said to the shepherd verse 11 of luke chapter 2 said today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is the messiah the lord so we must um, graduate from seeing jesus as a baby to seeing him as a savior the savior of the world the messiah amen, amen. Verse 13, the Bible says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom, on whom his favor rests. 
you can get my glasses amen you know yeah it's all right I'll, I'll manage I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to read this tiny text in front of me amen now I'm getting into this part of the message where we should start thinking as to the reason why we should celebrate Christmas now if angels especially the guy who came to the angel who came to deliver the message to the shepherds if all of after announcing the birth of Jesus suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven if angels and the host of heaven celebrated at the announcement of the birth of Jesus I see no reason why we should not celebrate. Amen. Thank you. So if angels celebrated the birth of Jesus, then there must be one or two special or significant thing about the birth of Jesus. Amen. Much better. Thanks, babe. There must be one or two significant things about the birth of Jesus. And the significant things about the birth of Jesus are not just they're not uh, trivial. Am I making sense this morning? The significance of the birth of Jesus is not trivial. There's so much to the birth of Jesus. You know what it means to call him Savior, the Messiah? The Messiah, the Savior, is one. He come. He came to save us from the power of darkness. He came to deliver us from the control of sin. Now, the, the birth of Jesus marked the beginning of the of the coming of the kingdom of God on earth. So, the birth of Jesus marked the beginning of many great and wonderful things that God had. Uh, had predestined or had done before the foundation of the world for mankind. The birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, there's so much to it that we need to take time to think about them, to meditate on them, to understand them so that we can experience the significance of his birth. And it's one of the reasons why it's very important that we no longer see Jesus as a baby, but we see him as a savior. He was born a baby as, uh, as one coming to the world because the way to access this world, you know, uh, is through being born. I mean, as for human beings. And he came in, in the form of a human being to die for you and I. So Christmas is not just um, it's just just a day of celebration. There's so much to be remembered or to think about. There's so much to remember or to think about at Christmas. There's so much significance to Christmas. Amen. A few things I want to call out about the birth of Jesus. So I said here, I said, uh, Jesus' birth marked the beginning of God's kingdom on earth. He marked the beginning of God's kingdom on her. Now, he said in the book of Luke chapter 11, verse 20, he said, Eve, I by the finger of God cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Eve, I by the finger of God cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
I can't remember anywhere in the Old Testament where anyone had authority over demons, unclean spirit. Jesus was the first person whom demons saw, the bowed to, the respected, the honor. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that Satan is the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So since the fall of man, right, unclean spirit and demons have every legal right to rule, to control, to do things on earth, to destroy. And God does not have that kind of right. That may sound um, unscriptural or religious. I mean, that may sound, I don't know how you can sound to some people's ears. Like, how how dare you say God does not have the right of control on earth? No, he doesn't. And that's the reason why some people are accusing God of the evil happening. There's a long story about that, which I will not be able to cover um, in this message. But one thing I want to express to you is this. God's, God's authority and power cannot come into this earth or to, to function or to act on your behalf except you enforce it, except you usher it in. I'm just going to summarize it for you. The earth, the Bible tells us that God has made mankind, um, has given the stewardship of the earth to man. To Adam and all human beings. Adam committed high treason. He lost, he gave the right of stewardship, he gave the right of ownership in a sense to Satan when he obeyed the devil. So that's the reason why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 14 to 16, that whomsoever we yield ourselves slaves to obey, that person's slave we have. So in our daily lives, in everything we do, if we are not obeying God, if we are obeying the devil and the works of the flesh, I mean, doing ungodly things, we are making ourselves slave, subject to those things. Whoever we obey, we make that person Lord over our lives, either Jesus, the flesh, or the devil. But Adam's own Adam's sin was, was, was very serious. You know, with the moment he submitted to the authority of the devil, the devil became the god of this world. And the devil is operating with demons, unclean spirit. Right. So unclean spirits were operating on earth. And have been operating and are still operating. And they will be operating until the Lord Jesus returns, until the lease of Adam expires. So what Jesus came to do is he came in the form of a person to deliver you and I from the control and the oppression of darkness. He came to pay the penalty for our sin. And he brought the kingdom of God into us, into our spirit. Now, as children of God, as believers, with Christ in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? Until or except we enforce the authority we have in Christ Jesus in our situation and circumstances, nothing will happen. And you guys know, except you put your trust in God, except you speak the word of God, except you put your faith in God, you will not see results. If by chance you see results, perhaps somebody is praying for you. Right? So divine intervention, which is God stepping into the situation and circumstance of man on earth, does not happen by accident. Human being, someone is somewhere praying, fasting, doing something somewhere to enforce the power of God. Because if divine intervention is something that can happen automatically, there will be no problem in the world. So let us have that in mind that as believers, the kingdom of God through the person of Jesus has come into us and we are the one who must enforce the kingdom of God in our sphere. 
Now, no one, like I said, had authority over demons. Jesus did not, because from the foundation of the world, everything was created through Jesus Christ and for him. And demons, likewise, they, they, they know that they are subject to the authority of Jesus because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, when you and I receive Jesus Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior, we receive the authority to subdue demons and unclean spirits. So the coming of Jesus into the world marked the beginning of his of the oh, okay, I come to my notes here. The, the, the birth of Jesus marked the beginning of God's kingdom on earth. God's kingdom of earth, which is God's rulership, God's, uh, God's ability to put um I'll put it. Here. So God's fear of authority, of dominion, right, was not on earth. It was only with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But through Jesus, God's fear, that's fear, and which is not somewhere in heaven. It's not somewhere in one location. You know, when people pray and say, you know what, let heaven come, or let the kingdom of God come. No, we don't need to pray the kingdom of God anymore. Jesus said, if I buy with the finger of God, cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the kingdom of God, which is the sphere, sphere, S-P-H-E-R-E, or the realm, where Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords, that sphere has come to us is not tangible in terms of what you can see feel or touch is accessible by faith and it's very much around you and in you but it's not a so that kingdom is not it's on the kingdom where they force people control people or manipulate people because it's not in the nature of god to control to oppress people manipulate people so anyone who forces oppress manipulate control people out the devil they are acting in line with the devil, not with God. So if a man of God is fond of controlling, manipulating, oppressing people, he is not acting according to the nature of God because the nature of God does not control, oppress, depress people. Jesus came to serve and he taught us to serve and not to look for people to serve us as human beings. Collectively, as a church, we should give ourselves to doing what God has called us to do, to serve God and serve people. Amen. So the kingdom of God is not a realm, it's not a sphere, it's not a kingdom that controls or press or use people. So God will not step into your situation without your permission. So God will not step into your situation without your permission. And when I say God will not step into your situation, I'm not speaking from a religious sense where people pray that God step into. No. What I'm trying to say is this from a biblical and epistle, epistolistic, epistolistic, let me, that's my word, epistolistic, and we can have to my dictionary. Yeah. From, a, from the, from the epistolic, epi, epistolistic, okay, so no, it's not working, don't leave that, we'll work on that later. So from the epistle, that's what I'm trying to say. From the letter written to the church, from the identity of, of the believer in Christ Jesus, right? What will make the power of God manifest and address a situation is when a believer chooses to recognize it, acknowledge it, and release it. Are you getting me? So the kingdom of God was known on earth, but it, because but through the through the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, you and I have received the kingdom of God. Where Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where He has authority over demons, you know that's why you too can rule over demons, and that's why Jesus said in the Book of Mark chapter sixteen said, "And these signs will accompany them that follow me. In my name they will cast out demons." Saint Corinthians, 5, 2 Corinthians five tells us that Christ Jesus lives in you. No, no, it's not Saint Corinthians five. Let's go there. Saint Corinthians, I think it's fifteen. Let's go there. Saint Corinthians. Uh, 
13, I believe, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you feel the test. Let's forget about the, let's leave the context in which um, Paul was talking aside here. But Paul is saying that, do you not know that Christ Jesus lives in you? So if Jesus who cast out demons by the finger of God, by the spirit of God, is in you, right, and is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, then the kingdom of God is in you. If you can recognize it, believe it, and, and enforce that kingdom, evil circumstances and all manner of stuff will, I mean, they will step aside for you. So, the power of God will not come upon you greater as sometimes or less. No, no, it is you, the ability or degree to which degree is better word it's a degree to which you believe in the power of god at work in you according to ephesians 1 19 and use it and enforce it it is the, it's the degree to which you see you discover you you use it that you will see the power of god work in your life it is to that degree that you see the kingdom of god at work in you manifest the kingdom of god is in you jesus ushered in the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is in you so people should stop praying let the kingdom of god come no the kingdom of god has come already okay all right let's read it um one second, let me just get my let me get myself together here. Praise the Lord. Good. So we're trying to say the kingdom of God has come to us. So in Luke eleven twenty. Uh let me see this. Luke eleven twenty. I'm running out of time, man. So Luke eleven twenty says, but if I drive out demons, so you can read it yourself. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Not will it come, has come. So the kingdom of God has come upon you, then it comes in you when you receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and your Savior. And this is just small, just few. Just this is just the tip of the iceberg of how much significance there is to the birth of jesus so he ushered in what the kingdom of god to the earth and um, so the birth of jesus is god coming down to abide with us to live with us you know in the old testament in the old covenant uh people could not even access god's presence they had to so a priest have to go uh represent the people on an annual basis in the holies of holies in the temple but Jesus said that whoever believes in me, myself, my father will come and abide with him. So Jesus said in the book of John 10, 30, he said, myself, my father are one. Amen. Myself and my father are one. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is God come in the flesh. Let's look at 1 Timothy 3, 16. He said, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is this. Is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Amen. Jesus came in the form of Jesus. God. So Jesus is God come in the person in human flesh for many reasons. 
which you can summarize in the fact that it came to pay for the punishment of your sins, deliver you from the power of darkness, reconcile you to God, to make you a member of the family of God, to give you the very life of God, to reunite you with the Father, to give you a new life, to give you a new nature. Amen. Amen. So the birth of Jesus is not, some, is not something to be treated with, um, should be trivialized. There's so much to be remembered. There's so much to think about when it comes to Christmas. The birth of Jesus, there's so much to learn about it and to think about, to meditate upon. Amen. The truth is this. Except we think on these things, I think, except we, we, we meditate on these things, we cannot really experience the power in this truth and the events recognized, I mean, I mean um, documented in the Bible, particularly in this context, the birth of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Right. So, a few more things to, to cover about Jesus. Now, the thing is, is that many of us have heard about the gospel. In Romans 1, 6, uh, 1 16, let's go there. Romans, Romans 1 16. So for, this is Paul speaking, said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. But if you go to verse 3 of that uh, Romans chapter 1, it says... Uh, let's start from verse 2. It said, The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophet in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. So, what are we talking about when we talk about the gospel? We're talking about Jesus Christ, why he came, his coming, what he did for us. What he did for us is death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. So, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. So the coming of Jesus was the, I mean, was the, was the manifestation of the gospel, or is the starting point of the gospel. Literally, the birth of Jesus marks the beginning of the gospel. Because without Jesus, there's no gospel. Without Jesus, there's no gospel, which is the power of God that brings salvation. Are we now saying that there's more to the birth of Jesus than just celebrating the day? So that Jesus was born as for a believer, for a, for a believer to remember that Jesus was born. These are the kind of thoughts that should be running in our mind. Through his coming, the kingdom of God came into came upon the earth. Through his coming, the kingdom of God came into you. Yeah, even when you receive him. Through his coming, the gospel that made you and I saved today, that made that gave you and I a new identity, that gave you and I access to the Father came through the birth of Jesus. So when the angels, the host of angels celebrated, you know, rejoiced at the announcement of the birth of Jesus, I believe they, they saw some of those things. Because some Christians already see the, the fact that Jesus was born, then he died. From They see things from a religious perspective, but there's so much importance, so much significance, so much value, so much power to the birth of the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think this is on that scripture I was trying to look for earlier on. Let's look at 1 John 4 2. 1 John 
four, two. Now it says, it says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This applies to people who have a different perspective about Jesus. They've read about Jesus in the Bible, um, but some people don't believe that he was actually born. Some people, I think, I think it's Jesus expecting the Messiah to come. They don't believe that the Messiah has come. They know the Messiah will come. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 2 that a Savior is born, the, the Savior is born, the Messiah. But some sects don't believe the Messiah has come. But the Bible tells us that the Savior, that man Jesus that was born, you know, as a child, is the Savior, is the Messiah. So if anyone is still thinking about the Messiah coming but not Jesus, you are not you are not thinking correctly, or you're not yeah yeah you you don't, you, you don't have the right fact because the Bible tells us here in First John two four two that this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. He has come, and how did he come? He was born into the world. It's not that he, he, he appeared all of a sudden from heaven like um, like thunder. He was born as a human being. Amen. Amen. Um, another thing I want us to bear in mind is that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He came to take away the sin of the world. You see that in the book of John chapter 1 verse 29. Uh, John 1.29 And I said, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus did not come to take away the sin of believers. One truth, one check, quick check is this. We are not a believer until we receive Jesus Christ into our, into our lives as our Lord and our Savior. Until we receive Jesus, we are not believers. So this mindset that Jesus came for good people is flawed. This mindset that everybody else he should be condemned except for believers is flawed because we were once like them so jesus came to take away the sin of the world and uh, john announced it and the reason why i asked you guys to mark a particular verse in the in uh, luke chapter 2 let's go there i think that's verse 17 right luke 2 something's all right my bible application this morning my, all my highlights are, are not staying i don't know why but that's fine. Yeah. Right, that's fine. Now the Bible tells us, let's go down to, I'll read from verse 17. Now, that's the one there. He said, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who had it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. I asked us to highlight that in our Bible as I was reading because just the way John announced that this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, we also are meant to announce to the world that Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 3 verse 16, He said, For God so loved the world that He gives only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right. And he said the Son of Man came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So what's our own business? I mean, what is our own? I mean, what is it? What is the problem that we have? 
that we are condemning people. We're telling people they will go to hell if they don't, if they're not Christians. I mean, what is our own personal issues with this matter? Why are we threatening people with the message of hell? When what Jesus, what the Bible asks us to do is to go and announce the good news to the world. I say, what is the good news? In if you don't give your life to Christ, God will kill you, you go to hell. What is the good news about it? Why don't we do God's, God's work the way he asks us to do it? Why are we trying to use our own mind to do God's work for him? Just do it the way he asks you to do it. Leave it to him. Now, that, that's why the Bible tells us that say, it, the gospel sounds foolish. You know, that somebody will be saved through the hearing of the gospel, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's good. Let it not make sense. If you are a child of God, if you are a servant of God, do God's work the way he wants you to do it. The technicalities, the programming behind it, the spiritual programming, you don't understand. Just the way many of us, we have laptops in front of us, we have cameras in front of us, we have a manner of electronic device in front of us. We don't know how the chips are interacting to make things happen. What you see is you turn on your phone, you scroll down, you touch something, it, com it comes up. You don't need to understand how the cause, how the chips, how the conductors, you don't need to understand it. So when it comes to the salvation of men, in your business, in my business, as to how God will do it. We should not put fear in people's heart. God, because fear, is, those kind of fear of danger, fear of hell, they are instrument of the devil. So any fear of harm, anything that has to do with fear of harm is an instrument of the devil. So why are we trying to use the instrument of the devil to, to, to win people to Christ? We now, we, we, we then think, why, why is there so much division in the body of Christ? So much oppression the body of christ so much control and manipulation the body of christ because many of these people that we led to christ we led them to christ with a demonic tool demonic tool of fear so they have no sense of relationship with the father they have no sense of becoming who god has called them to be so they are coming in to do what you have led them to do which is to control to manipulate people hence there's so much manipulation in many churches today amen so let's get it right. Let's understand why Jesus came. Let's understand what he the assignment he has given us to do. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that um, in Ephesians 1.13 that God delivered us from the power and the dominion of sin and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So through the coming of Jesus, His dead, death, His resurrection, were delivered from the from the control of sin. That's Colossians one thirteen. He said, "He said he delivered us from the from." Let me let's read it. I have so many versions in my mind here, uh, and I have my own personal uh, version that I kind of coined out to help my understanding. So Colossians one thirteen says, "For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves." So the son has a kingdom, right? You know, it is, you know, I was talking about kingdom thing earlier on. So the kingdom of Jesus is such one where he is the king of kings, the lord of lords, and demons does not have a right of control or rule there. They submit to his lordship. So when you, a believer, receive Jesus Christ into your, into your life as your lord and your savior, the kingdom of God comes in you. So the coming of Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God, the realm of the spiritual authority of the Father over all principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. Ephesians 1.13 tells us more thing about, why Jesus, uh, uh, about the significance of the battle of Jesus. Ephesians 1.13 
it says, and you also were included in Christ when you had the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I repeat, and you also were, were included in Christ when you had the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Are we, are we not connecting it? You believed in Jesus. He came to die for you, right? So you believed in him. And then what happened? The, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, you know, it's about the gospel. And you believing, you receiving the gospel, right, marked you automatically, got you marked with the Holy Spirit of promise to identify you as God's own possession. Come on, this, I know, I know I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like talking, right? I'm not following a kind of order here, but I'm just trying to like steal up our mind to see how much is in, how much came into our life through the birth of Jesus Christ. So when you remember those things, you see, you see that there's no need for you to be depressed at Christmas. Christmas is not about how much money you have in your account. It's not about how much party you can throw. Sometimes thinking about Christmas is the reason why you want to celebrate it with few people. Right? Celebrate with few people who are Christ-minded. Or go celebrate it with some people who do not know about Christ and use that as an opportunity to, to talk to them about the significance of the birth of Jesus. You know, just like jo John said, he said, they said the, the, the Lamb of the world who takes away the sin of the world. And those angels went around telling people about what the angels told them. I mean, the shepherds, they went about telling them, telling people about what the angels told them. If I said it correctly earlier on. See, when we, when we have understanding of Christmas, right, we will not be doing stupid and ungodly things at Christmas all in the name of celebrating Christmas. Because we can see how much there is to the coming of Jesus. How much there is to the birth of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now Jesus came to give us eternal life. His coming brought eternal life. What is life? What is eternal life? Uh, John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life. To know God. Experiential knowledge. Experiential exposure to God. To be reconciled to the Father. To have the very life of God. The incorruptible life of God. The undestroyable life of God. Not in your physical body, but in your spirit. To restore you to fellowship with the Father. That you will no longer be destroyed or eternally separated from the Father. That union, that association was what Jesus came to give you. That's, it. That's the eternal life he came to give you. To identify you as God's own possession. Oh, come on. There's so much to Jesus. You know, when you hear Christmas and you remember Christmas is celebrating the birth of Jesus, I mean, all of this thoughts should be run through your mind and you should be rejoicing. You see the reason why I said Christmas should be celebrated every day. So when I said last, last week, Merry Christmas, I'll say to you again now, Merry Christmas. Some people are thinking, wait, well, Christmas is just about 13 days away. Hmm. Today is Christmas too. Every day is Christmas. Because every day we, we thank the Lord for the coming of the Son Christ Jesus to do many of these things for us, to accomplish many of these things in our lives. Amen. Amen. I, on that point to, to remember all the times, Romans 4.25, he said, he was, raised from the, he was raised from the dead to declare also righteous. Many of us feel unworthy uh, of God. 
But the time of Christmas is the time to also remember that Jesus was born, he died, was raised from the dead, so that you can be declared righteous. You can access the Father without, without a sense of guilt and condemnation. So if you have been struggling with condemnation since Easter up until this point, I'm using this opportunity to remind you that this time is the time of the year again for you to remember that through Jesus, you are restored back to the Father. You are reconciled to the Father. You know, someone died to reunite you with the Father. He died to clean all your sin. I mean, it took away all of your sins so that in God's sight, you are righteous. You are declared blameless. Amen. You are declared blameless. So this is the time of the year to rejoice, to celebrate. There's so much to rejoice. You celebrate the fact that your sins are forgiven. You celebrate the fact that you now have a new life in Christ Jesus. You celebrate the fact that you now have a new identity in Christ. You celebrate the fact that you are made... Yeah, you, you, you now have access to the Father. You celebrate the fact that God dwells inside of you. You celebrate the fact that the kingdom of God is inside of you. You celebrate the fact that you have authority over demons, over principalities and powers. You celebrate the fact that you have access to the Father. There's so much to celebrate. So when you say, when you hear Jesus was born, all of this should be running in your mind and you should be rejoicing. So there's no need for anybody to be depressed in Christmas because they don't have so much money to celebrate Christmas like last year. Now, there's more to our lives than all of these physical things that surround us. Amen. Amen. One more thing before I close. The Bible says that we were raised together with him to a place of authority. That's Ephesians 2, 6. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 6. Uh, it says, and, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Amen. God raised us up with Christ. You know, you are seated with God in the heavenly places far above all principality and power. And I shared a few things with us, but that there's more, there's more, there's more about the significance of the birth of Jesus Christ. And we need to commit ourselves to finding these things out, thinking on, the, or, or thinking on them, redefining what Christianity means to us, redefining what Christmas means to us. And taking every opportunity available to minister Christ, to minister the gospel to people. Amen. I hope that blesses you guys. Um, my wife and I will be back next week for our Christmas family service uh, where we talk about Christmas traditions. Um, I hope this bless you guys. Uh, no Transformers Connect this week. No podcast this week. So you guys have so much time to just chill. And... Um, and rest. All right, but uh, don't forget um, the kingdom of dark. I'm not trying to scare you. But that's not. That's not what I do. The kingdom of darkness don't go and break. Right? Sin doesn't go and break. So let's be guarded. Right? Let's 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 remain Christians. Let's remain believers who conduct our lives according to the word of God, regardless of the holiday. Amen. And like God started with us in this meeting not to use Christmas as an opportunity to do ungodly things. If you do those things, you know, you just open the door for the devil to mess up your life or to mess up things in your life and you find yourself in one situation to another Christmas. Why? You know, Christmas is not a time to live a porous, um, a loose life all in the name of holiday. We are Christian 24-7. We are, Christ we are Christian every day of the year. And like I said last week, um, 
if there's um, a family gathering or friendship friends gathering that you participate in every year that drags you into sin and to a sense of unworthiness you may want to consider this year and think about do i want to go there you know why should i go for this gathering attend this gathering and next and for next eight months or nine months i'm trying to undo the damage friends we only have one life and we should not mess it up right every association or gathering we attend and they set us back you know the time we spend to recover we cannot recover those times amen i feel i should stop there all right thank you guys um i'm gonna wish you again merry christmas because we're celebrating the birth of jesus right so enjoy the rest of your day and have a blessed week god bless you